Oh, welcome in. Good Thursday afternoon. Opposition research here on PowerMizzou.com, the show every week where we tell you about Missouri's opponent from somebody that knows a lot more about them than we do. We'll get to that shortly, previewing the Florida Gators in Columbia here at 3 o'clock on Saturday. But speaking of people that know a lot more than I do, Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones know a lot more about what to do with your money than I do. They've uh, been helping me out what to do with the uh, the pennies I managed to save from uh, from this website ever Every month for a few years now. Edward Jones is a different kind of investment investment firm. FaceTime and ThinkTime makes sense to them. They will meet with you to determine your individual needs. Make sure they figure out the best plan for you and your money, whether you just kind of want to grow what you have, protect your assets. Maybe you're saving for college. Maybe you're saving for retirement, um, you know, sometime here in the next, uh, I don't know, 25, 30 years. That's uh, that's in my goals down the road. So Stuart Eastman at 573-817-3108 at Edward Jones is your guy. You can also go online at edwardjones.com. And maybe if you're not in the state of Missouri, find a local uh, person to work with from Edward Jones, wherever you may be watching from. We are now going to go down to someone who will eventually be uh, in in the freezing locale of Columbia, Missouri, but right now down in Gainesville, Nick De La Torre from uh, Gators Territory joining us. That's the Florida site on the Rivals Network. Nick, how you doing today, man? Doing well. Uh, it's cold here in Gainesville. It's uh, cold, is, of course, anytime it gets under 70. Right. Um, that's when the jackets and Uggs come out in, in Florida. Yeah. Had to be some sleeves on your shirts today and all that. We, we feel terrible for you here in, uh, here in Columbia, but, uh, weather, not a factor much to the chagrin of Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, probably I really, I think that's way too big of a deal. It's not like Florida's never signed a kid who's played in cold weather or rain before. I, I think people make too big of a deal of that bigger deal is, uh, I think this game comes down to one thing, like, does Florida still care? Are they still bought in here? Because watching the last couple of weeks, it's it's been tough to tell at times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> watching a lot of the games this year, it's been tough to tell. Um, I, I I was at, I've been asked that a lot, and I think um, I, I think I want to say the team. I get asked a lot: Has Dan Mullen lost the locker room? Um, and I don't think he has, because I think Florida. And it might be a lame argument, but I think Florida could have rolled over to Sanford. You know, going into the halftime, losing. Um, could have just, you know, the players could have thought, well, listen, you've got two and a half games left, guy, and uh, I don't really care if we lose this game because you're out of here if we lose it. Um, and, and could have, you know, uh, really thrown up a goose egg in, in, in the second half, but they came out and they played well. And, and I understand the opponent, but um, I don't think Florida's, uh, at least the team, has gone apathetic yet. There's definitely parts of the fan base that, that, that sure have and that might not watch the game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, well, the weird thing to me is it's not like it's been one side of the ball, right? I mean, two weeks ago against South Carolina, uh, yeah, the defense was bad in that game, but at the up, they didn't really move the ball. They didn't do. They score seventeen points, and then last week they put up seventy. And I understand it's Samford, but it's still seventy. But the defense can't do anything. So, can you even kind of identify? Hey, the major problem with this team is is this, or is it a little bit wide? Uh, I mean, there were 15 penalties in a close game at, at Kentucky. Um, there was just a complete meltdown against LSU. Georgia was clearly better. Um, you know, there's been interceptions. That's been the reason. There really hasn't been. It's almost you can roll a six-sided die, and, and one of those six things is going to pop up for Florida uh, to cause them to either lose the game or to cause them to struggle in the game. 
but you don't know which one it's going to be. And I've asked Dan Mullen about that a couple times. Hey, would you rather just, if your team was really undisciplined and you knew they were going to have eight false starts a game and you could just work on that every week rather than you go into a game knowing I'm going to have one of these six to seven problems pop up and I don't know which one it's going to be until the game happens. So I've asked him that multiple times. Is that even worse? And he's given some coach speak answers, but that's really the struggle for Florida is that they have six, seven things that cause them to lose games. And you just don't know which one's going to pop up that week, whether it's the defense giving up 42 points to an FCS opponent. Um, I, I mean, I've never seen, I've seen uh, some highly penalized Florida teams, but they had eight false starts against Kentucky Um that's a nice place to play. I don't know if it's eight false starts loud. Um, I, I don't know what stadium is eight false starts loud. But, yeah, that's been an issue for Florida. Um, and and maybe it just comes down to them not being a, a very disciplined uh, football team. Right. And it, to me, that's kind of – I mean, you can say the same thing about Missouri. You can say the same thing about almost any team that's sitting here five and five, right? You've got – Hey, one game it's the running game, one game it's the pass defense, one game you know you you miss four field goals whatever. That's why you're 5 and 5 because you've got all these issues that keep popping up is is there anything for Florida that that you feel like they can rely on that has been consistent? They should be able to run the ball. Um and, and coming into the year, I gave Dan Mullen a lot of credit cuz obviously if you watch Florida in 2020, um, they had no interest in running the ball. Didn't really need to with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. Um, that uh, passing offense was prolific. Coming into this year, the the writers we were talking and we're looking at Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. We're thinking those those guys aren't Kyle Trask, but they can both really hurt you with their feet. And then you look at Florida's backfield. They had two senior running backs and Malik Davis and Damian Pierce coming back. Two five star transfers um, and Lorenzo Lingard and Demarcus Bowman and another guy in Naquan Wright. Um, a redshirt sophomore who who looks to be a very good running back as well. And we thought, this team's going to have to run. And, and credit to Dan Mullen, he changed his offense from one of the best passing offenses to, I think, the Florida's ranked third now in the SEC in rushing. So a completely different shift. The problem is, you, you look at that, and, and South Carolina was a team that couldn't stop the run, and Florida comes out and throws the ball 10 straight times. You're almost trying to outsmart yourself, I guess, in, in that scenario. And uh, other than last week, Missouri hasn't been able to stop, you know, a nosebleed with a, a, a roll of paper towels. And, and, and you know, I, I, I point this out to Gator fans. And they go, oh, cool, Dan's going to throw the ball 25 straight times. So if you look at what Florida does well, they run the ball well. If you look at what Missouri hasn't done well, they don't stop the run. You'd think, fly to Columbia, it's going to be cold. Um, just hand the ball off 60 times. And if that doesn't work, you know, then you lose because of that. But uh, we'll see if, if Dan tries to be the smartest guy in Columbia on Saturday or if they lean into what they do well, which is running the football. Yeah, it's it's odd. I mean, Missouri, I think, has risen all the way to like they're only like 124th in run defense now because they've actually done a pretty good job against it the last couple weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, gave up 168 against Georgia and then really uh, held South Carolina way down. And South Carolina is not a great offense, but they were coming off that performance against Florida. But I'm still with you. I mean, the approach against Missouri is still – hey, turn around and hand the ball off 45 times mm-hmm. and see how it goes. So it'll be interesting. Uh, other side of the ball, I mean, Missouri's got quarterback issues, right? We're not 100% sure who's going to start at this point. And Connor Basilak's biggest strength coming into this year was, hey, he's not going to beat you. He doesn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden he's turning the ball over. I mean, 
I, I would think that going off the three quarters I watched last week, maybe if you're a struggling quarterback, this isn't the worst defense to face. But, I, I mean, <laughs> Florida's pass defense can't be that bad, can it? Um, they, they Florida's defense, I, I go back to the week three game against Alabama, and Florida was more physical on both lines of scrimmage than Alabama. And that was really surprising, I think, to, to us because – Watching the first two games against FAU and USF, you're looking at Florida and you're thinking, well, is this fool's gold? Like Zach Carter's got six six sacks in two games and, and Florida's running the ball over, you know, at will. Um, and, and I thought after the Alabama game, even in a loss, I was like, well, all right, well, this Florida team might be better than I thought they were going to be coming into this year. Um, that certainly has not proved to be the case. And, and I haven't seen that defensive line. Florida's lost their 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 best linebacker, their best run stopper, and kind of the heart of their defense in Ventro Miller before the season. Um, so the, the linebacking core is young. Um, the secondary is very young outside of Trey Dean and Kyrie Elam. Um, so they really leaned on that off or the defensive line to get pressure. And Florida was getting pressure with four, which allowed them to drop people in coverage. And, and that was a recipe for success. Um the last six weeks, probably, I haven't seen that same defensive line. Um, there's been one or two injuries, but for the most part, it's the same guys that were, you know, bigger and badder than Alabama that, you know, can't get a push against uh, a pretty bad South Carolina team or can't get a push against a Samford team, um, you know, who plays the division down. So the, the big thing for Florida is being able to get pressure on the quarterback, Um to give those guys, and I guess they're not young anymore in the secondary, you know, going into it week 11. Um, but that's that's the key for Florida. Can they get pressure with four, do, or do they have to blitz and, and then put some guys on islands outside? Um, so, hey, game for the coveted fourth place in the SEC East. Uh, the the winner knows at least at a bare minimum they, they will be invited to Birmingham um, the week after Christmas. And I don't think either one of these teams started the season saying – hey, if we could just get to a minor bowl game, it's a success. Florida's obviously a, a little bit more disappointed in, in where it sits than Missouri is. I mean, is that like any sort of motivation for Florida? Do you think that, hey, if we win to, like maybe we get to a bowl game, we can still salvage something out of this? I, I mean, for, for a team coming off of three New Year's Six bowl games, um, I, wonder, I wonder how many opt-outs Florida would have uh, to be, you know, uh, playing in Birmingham on, on December 27th or 28th. Um, I, I, I'm personally, as a big fan of Nashville, I've been crossing my fingers for the Music City Bowl. Uh, that, that'd be a nice, a nice yeah. treat for the media. We were supposed to go there last really. year, and then COVID canceled that. So yeah. Oh, that's a kick in the face right there. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. So I think Florida will have a bunch of guys that would opt out of the bowl game. They did last year, even in a good bowl game, they had a bunch of guys opt out. So um, for me, I'm not sure how excited the older guys would be. The big thing, obviously, and, and you've probably talked about it before with bowl games, is just getting the chance for those bowl practices. And Florida didn't really get that chance last year because of COVID um, and, and everything they'd gone through. Florida practiced maybe four times before the Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, way less than they could have. Um, I think the big thing for Dan, if he's going to stay here, uh, if he's going to be the coach in 2022, is getting to a bowl game so you have time to work with those younger guys, the guys that will be here next year, that if you're back in 2022, you're coaching, definitely coaching for your job. So you need to start 
finding and identifying players and creating that identity. So I think that's the biggest thing for Florida now, uh, regardless of what bowl it is. You know, it could be the toilet bowl or whatever it's called, whatever corporate sponsor wants to, to throw you some money. Um, you really need to start identifying the young players that you're going to count on for next year. So that's the big thing for Florida in a bowl game. Yeah, so you kind of alluded to it, and I'm sure I'll be the first person to have asked you this question all month long. But, like, I, I mean, three weeks ago, people started saying, hey, is Dan Mullen in trouble? And I thought, well, they're going to beat South Carolina and Sanford and Missouri and Florida State and finish 8-4. and four. So probably not, right? Well, then that South Carolina thing happens and Florida happens. I mean, or Sanford happens. Is he... Like, are these next two games, do you think, for his job? Like, does he have to go 1-1 one and one or 2-0 and oh or whatever it is? Or or do you think the decision's kind of made independent of, hey, whatever you do against Missouri and Florida, a uh, bad Florida State team? Yeah, no, I don't think 1-1 one one will do it. Um, <laughs> I don't think 1-1 one one will do it, especially if uh, the trip to this Columbia looks like the trip to last Columbia. He might be left in Missouri um, if, you, if you have a game like that. Um I, I tried to figure it out. So all week before the LSU game, I'm talking to my friends who cover the team. And I'm like, how, how are you guys? How is LSU about to fire a, a national championship coach 18 months after? And then they start kind of layering things. Well, this is happening and this and then this. So after Florida lost to, uh, to, to South Carolina, the way that they did. And, and listen, if Florida loses on a last second field goal, people are going to be mad. Um, but you can point to things and like, hey, we made a couple mistakes and, and, and just barely lost the game. But Florida was not competitive against South Carolina. And I think that changed Scott Strickland's mind. So I went after the game and I tried to figure out, OK, one year ago, Florida had just beat Georgia. They were ranked number five in the country. They had a Heisman candidate, the future John Mackey winner and one of the most exciting players in Darius Tony. How have we gotten to this point now? Um, and, and when, and, you know, I laid it out in a story and it took me four hours and it was like 2,300 words. But when you read it and you look at everything, you know, not independent of itself, but stacked on top of each other, you think, OK, well, that makes sense. And how you get to a point where a coach, when he first got here after his first two years, we're comparing to Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. And now he's in the same breath as flaming out like Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. So it, it's been a pretty spectacularly quick fall from grace. And, and I think Dan Mullen needs to win this week uh, in Columbia and needs to beat FSU next week to, to be the coach next year. All right. So you correct me if I'm wrong on this. I've rarely been in the same room with Dan Mullen, but like there are some guys when if they lose, they can talk their ways out of it a little bit, right? Like your personality is you can be, you can be salty and win you can be a great mm -hmm. guy and lose maybe, but you can't be salty and lose. And the perception from the outside is Dan Mullen's personality probably isn't going to be the thing that saves his job. I know Missouri fans feel that way after, you know, what down went down in Gainesville last year. Like, I don't mean to say just, hey, being a nicer guy or winning a press conference would necessarily save his job. But how much, especially with fans, is that part of it kind of playing into, oh, hey, this guy is losing and then here's all these other things we can pile on about. Well, it's interesting because when when he was winning, you know, 23 games in his first 22 games in his first two years, he was saying the same things, but he's winning. And now fans are saying, oh, man, we got a young Spurrier because this guy will barb you and, and he'll, um, you know, give a, the media a zinger. And, and this is great. And um, fans all year have asked me, hey, is Dan checked out? Is he doing this? I'm like, no, you're hearing him differently, because when 
you're doing what he does and saying the things he says, it's awesome when you're a fan and you're winning. Now you think he's arrogant and he's cocky and he's checked out and he doesn't care. He wants to go to the NFL. And like all that's changed is that he's losing football games now. Like Dan Mullen hasn't changed as a person since he's been here. Um, and personally, I, I, uh, we like it. He called uh, one of the reporters, um, Trent Krim, last week because they asked if, if a win was disappointing. And if you're a Ted Lasso fan, you get the reference. Um, but, but I think Dan is cocky. I think he's arrogant. I think he's the smartest guy that's been in every room that he's ever been in. Um, and, and that's certainly the case when he's doing media. He's definitely smarter than, than, the, guy, than the rest of us in that room. Um, but... I think that can come to bite you in the butt when it comes down to having to make decisions. And you look at the guys that he's surrounded himself and his coaching staff and, and how Florida is getting beat on the, on the recruiting trail. And um, yeah, so fans are, are tiring of the act. And um, I, I, I wonder, and we've talked about it a bunch, like amongst us in the media, what it would take to get them back because Dan hasn't changed, but the, the way his his words are being perceived by the fan base now certainly has done a 180. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because Missouri fans have made the Spurrier comp a little bit with Eli Drinkwitz here, right? I mean, he's he's very similar. I, I remember talking to somebody at Missouri literally before he had coached a game, and they said, what do you think of him? I said, well, like he's going to be really fun to cover. And if he wins and wins pretty big, it's going to be great. But if he doesn't win pretty big, like that is going to at some point start rubbing people the wrong way, right? Missouri fans aren't there yet. The honeymoon is not still ongoing, but we're not at the point of like being angry yet, um, you know, but you're, you're in the airport on the way back from the honeymoon. Yes, yes, uh, it, it is. OK, next year we need to see this translate a little bit more, but it's funny. I, and I've told people the same things, right? Winning coaches can't say anything wrong and losing coaches can't say anything right. I mean, even the whole, hey, it's not recruiting season. Everybody who actually watched that knew what Dan Mullen meant. And then everybody took it and made it seem like it meant something else because he lost a game. Yeah, and Florida fans are not happy. The big thing for Florida is in our in our state, you have the really the big three schools, and then Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Everyone tries to come down in Florida, but when Florida's doing well um, in the past, you know when Urban Meyer was recruiting well, um, when Will Muschamp was even recruiting well on, on the defensive side of the ball. Florida was doing well on the field. Miami and Florida State were down, and they were able to take advantage of that. And and that's a that's a huge issue with Florida fans right now is that Florida's uh, on our site, 35th in the country. You're behind, you know, South Carolina. You're behind FSU, which hasn't been to a bowl game in three years. So fans look at what's happening on the field, then they look what's happening off the field, and then there doesn't even there's nothing you can even hang your hat on to say, okay, well it'll get turned around. Because you look at this recruiting class and you say, it'll get turned around with who and, and with what. And then what's the next class? And, and the problem at Florida is you're always going to be looking at Georgia. And Kirby's uh, on his way to his fifth number one recruiting class in six years. And to rub salt in the wound, he's taken three. He's had three kids flip from Florida in the last month. So um, Dan's not winning fans on or off the field right now. Yeah, so uh, I, I never ask for predictions on this show because it just gets us in trouble. Um, I, I do want one prediction. Are we lucky enough to get another fight this year? I feel like it probably won't happen, but but I'd like. I, I was a big fan. That was by far the best thing that happened in last year's game. Yeah, I think Darth Mullen won't show up um, <laughs> for this game. Um, I, I don't think we'll get a fight, and 
it'll be interesting because I think it's two teams that, you know, maybe Missouri wants to go to a bowl game more than, than Florida does. Um, Florida, a couple of Florida guys have talked about the cold. I'm going to be cold and the press box is closed. Um, <laughs> so I'll still be in a jacket. Um, I think the best thing that happened to Florida is that it wasn't, you know, an 11 a.m. local kickoff because um, they struggle in Vanderbilt at 11 a.m. local kickoffs when it's a little bit cold in September. Um, you know, going to Columbia, Missouri in November at 11 a.m. when it's, you know, there's still frost on the ground. I don't think Florida would have played very well. So, um, like I said, I think Florida needs to run the ball. If they can do that, I don't know that they have an answer for Tyler Batty. I think Tyler Batty will break a record on Saturday. Uh, I know that the he broke or already owns the record for most 200-yard games for Missouri. Um, he, he, he could easily run for 200 yards on this Florida team, which even when it looks like it's trying to tackle, doesn't do it well. And then there's times where they look like they're making business decisions and, and aren't interested in tackling. Right. Well, Nick, appreciate it, man. Uh, bring your winter coat, bring a stocking cap. We'll do our sure. best. We're going to heat it up to, to like at least 50, I think. So I might bring one of those person, like those, those warming huts, those warming fans they have on the sideline in green Bay. If I can just wheel that up with me, uh, I might put that in my carry on. All right. I had, I had no idea that people from Florida were quite this soft, but I hope you survive man, and I <laughs> yeah. hope you make it back to Gainesville. <laughs> I'll try. All right. Uh, Nick De La Torre from inside or from GatorsTerritory.com. That is our uh, rivals site that covers Florida and uh, appreciate him taking some time to give you guys insight into the Gators. And like that was that was all pretty honest and pretty, uh, pretty forthcoming about where things stand. It sounds like and, and I didn't think it was quite to this point. Sounds like Dan Mullen done if he loses this game at Missouri. Um, Missouri's clearly got more motivation. I mean, not that six and six or seven and five and, you know, the the Birmingham Bowl or the Mayo Bowl would be a resounding success for Missouri, but it would be, you know, more of a an acceptable thing, more of a step forward, more of progress maybe than a Florida team that's gone to three straight New Year's six games uh, would view it as. So, again, 3 p.m. on Saturday on the SEC Network. Ask you guys a couple things. If you are one of the people here watching with us live before you log out, um, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. That's going to give you a push notification every time we go live. We do live shows six days a week. We'll have our pick show tomorrow, uh, pregame and postgame on Saturday. So, if you subscribe to the channel you'll get a notification when that happens if you're listening on the podcast that i will uh, post here just minutes after we get done just leave us a nice review say some nice things and wherever you're listening tell people what we're doing um you know there's there's only a week left in the season but we will still have live shows friday saturday monday tuesday wednesday next week and, and we'll pre-record a little something for you thursday and be back live on friday so um appreciate all you guys joining us appreciate as always edward jones and Stuart eastman he is my personal financial advisor. He can be your personal financial advisor in Columbia, Missouri. When it comes to your financial future, important to work with somebody that takes the time to understand you and your situation. Stuart's going to do that. If you've got a question, hey, what's what's the best approach for me? Here's my goals. Here's what I want to do. He's going to lay it out. He's going to take care of everything, literally. All you got to do is log on to the app every now and then and be like, oh, hey, Stuart did a good job. He just made me more money. Um, I did that this morning. So Stuart Eastman at 573-817-3108 at Edward Jones over on Rainbow Trout Drive in Suite 102. You want to reach out to him again, 573-817-3108. Appreciate Edward Jones for making this 
possible every week. Thanks to Nick for joining us, and uh, thanks to you guys for watching. We will uh, catch up to you next time.